Uh, this, honestly, is one of my favorite days of the year. I think it's partly because of the weather is nice, and uh, my three kids typically treat me nice, and, uh, and my wife does, of course. And so, anyway, good to be with you today and open God's Word with you. I understand that this can be, if we let our minds go down this road, it can be a tough day for us as well. Some of us have lost our dads, and we could think through that, or we can think how we have had an absent dad or a hurtful dad, or how we ourselves haven't been good dads. But I'm going to ask that we think above all of this today, and that we would look to God, and that we would think of Him and understand that He has a great love for us. And let's focus on Him today, not necessarily our failures or the failures of our dads, but Let's consider the goodness of God our Father today, and we're going to have a good time connecting with Him. I want to start a summer series with you today, and this is where we're going to be the rest of this summer, considering uh, this idea of summer solstice. And if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is where we're going to start today. This is going to be the theme of our summer as we consider this idea of summer solstice. As you're turning there in your Bible... The idea of summer solstice, well, it's not really spelled the way typically it is up here on the screen. There is a day called summer solstice. It's actually going to happen this next week on Tuesday when it is the longest day of the year. Longest day of the year, and I kind of like that because even as I woke up early this morning, it's like, it's light outside. And then as we get to go out long into the day, it's like, it's still light. And I just enjoy this time of year. Summer solstice, though, the idea is that this is the highest point of the sun. On June 20th, two days from now, the sun will be at its highest point, and that's why we get this longest day. I won't depress you to think that starting June 21st, it's going to start getting darker and darker and darker. I won't tell you that. But June 20th, Tuesday, this longest day of the year, because the sun is at its highest point. And I hope that you spend some time with these longer days enjoying the creation that God has made, going up to the mountains, over to the beach, hanging out in your backyard, whatever it is, and just enjoying these longer days. But I'm going to use this phrase this summer, summer solstice, but I'm going to spell soul, S-O-U-L, stis, because I want us to elevate our understanding of our soul our inner person. I want us to consider that what happens when our soul, our inner person, is at its highest point. Because this is what God would design for us, that our soul, our inner person, would be doing well, would be thriving. And so we're going to spend some time looking at this idea this summer. The soul is a a common thought. As you read your Bible, you'll just see this phrase, this word over and over and over. If you want to take a few definitions, it literally means life. When you see the word soul, it's just this is the inner person, but this is life. This is the seat of affection. This is the seat of feelings and desires. Over 750 times throughout the Old Testament, there's this word that comes up, soul. It's like there's something significant here that it keeps coming up so many times. I'm going to show you some of those today. In the New Testament, and this was originally written in the Greek, it's where we end up getting our word for psyche, 
our psyche, how we're doing inside, how we are doing in this inner person. And so we're going to look at this thought of the inner person, our psyche, our soul today in this summer. Let me answer this question because I had to answer it for myself. Why would we spend the summer looking at this? Why is this important? I want to give a few short answers to that. One is that God sees my soul as valuable. I want you to know this, that he sees your soul as valuable. When he looks at you, yeah, he, he sees your aging body, but he sees your soul, your inner person. He did not make us just physical creatures. We understand that, but there's an inner part to us, a soul that God made. I want to show you this in Genesis chapter 2, and I just encourage you to write down these passages. I want to share a few with you today. It says, The Lord God formed the man of dust, from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. Some of your Bibles would say he became a living soul. It's this word that when God breathed, that's when our soul came to life. And so God would look at us and say, you are valuable to me because I created you. I breathed life into you. You're not just valuable because of what you can produce. You're not just valuable because you're pretty. But God is saying you're valuable because I have breathed life into you. And when our soul is at its highest point, when we are living the best possible way we can, God is glorified. Secondly, let me say this. We would consider our soul because my soul is hurt and broken. I want to spend some time this summer looking at this idea because your soul and mine is hurt. You walked into this room today, whether you knew it or not, but your soul is hurt. There's some brokenness to this. You ever feel unloved? It's because your inner person is hurt and broken. You ever feel worn down, fearful, bitter, impatient, depressed, empty, needy, any of these, all of the above, it's because your inner person, your soul is hurt. It is broken. And then we end up acting out of this brokenness. We end up acting out of this hurt. And all of a sudden then it's like, why am I such a self-centered person? Because you have a hurt and broken soul. Why am I so defensive at times? Why do people tell me that I'm defensive? Because I have a hurt and broken soul. Why do I have this compulsive behavior? Because I have a hurt and broken soul, and we want to address that this summer. Thirdly, I would say this, we're going to address the soul because God is advancing his kingdom through me. We've been talking about this for over a month, that God has this kingdom, it's an eternal kingdom, and he is advancing that kingdom through you. The problem is you and I have this hurt, this brokenness that we need to assess, that we need to deal with. Because God says, I'm moving in your life, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your school, in your community. I'm doing this and I want you to be a part of this in a special way. It's hard to do that when you are broken and hurt. And then lastly, why would we consider my soul, our soul, is because God desires that I mature for his glory. This is what God wants for every single one of us, that we would grow up, that we would mature. 
He says, okay, I, I want you to address your soul and I want you to consider your inner person. I want you to spend some time on this because when you mature, oh, the kingdom's going to advance in greater ways. God will be glorified. So we're going to look at this this summer. We're going to start today and do this for the next couple months, just addressing our soul. Part of this, as I, as I look at this, this is part of my own personal journey I took a personal retreat a month ago, and I had shared with our elders, I just said, part of my inner person is worn down. No gross sin, just my regular sin like that we all have, but it's just, I'm just worn down by life, I'm, I'm fearful at times, and I struggle with bitterness at times, and I, you know, I, I'm feeling all of these things, that, you know, unloved, worn down, fearful, bitter, impatient, depressed, empty, needy, and I'm like, I need to address my soul. Because it's hard to pour out anything when this soul gets empty. And so the guy said, you know what, go take some time off and connect with God in a greater way than normal. And, and so some of what I'm going to share this summer is just some of what God shared to me. And he said, listen, Scott, you, your soul gets hurt and broken and worn down. And, and I want to bring healing to you. And I want to share some of these thoughts with you today and in the coming weeks so that we would be mature in our walk with the Lord. Psalm 23. Grab your Bible if you would. Let me share a few verses with you. This is going to be our theme for the summer. I would hope that you would memorize this psalm. And you say, oh, I got that down. I memorized it. Then I would hope that you would meditate on this psalm. That I would hope that you would spend time just reflecting on this. What does this mean? What does this mean specifically to me today? And I'm going to share some of my thoughts for you. Psalm 23. Page 458, if you want to use this Bible sitting in front of you, let's just look at the first couple verses written by David, who had been the king of Israel. He said this, the Lord is my shepherd. This is the everlasting God he's talking about. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. It's one of the 750 plus times we see this word in the Old Testament. And David says, here's one thing I know about God as I spend time with God is that he restores my soul. I want you to write this down, verse 3 here, these words, that God restores my soul. This is going to be foundational for us today and this summer that you understand that God is the one who restores your soul. David, as he's reflecting on this, as he's just journaling, as he's inspired by God to write that, he's the Lord, this everlasting God. He is the one who restores my inner person. He does this. It's an interesting word, restore, that David uses there. I want to show you the first time this word restore is in the Bible. It, it's kind of in a weird place. Genesis chapter 3, it says this. Oh, we were there, weren't we? Let's go back. Let's go back. Back, back, back. Okay, here we go. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return. That's the word Restore. It's the same word that David says. So when David says, he restores my soul, he's putting it back to what it was originally. 
But it's the same word found here in Genesis chapter 3. God says to Adam and Eve after they have sinned, listen, um, because of your sin, you're going to work really hard and your uh, life will be restored to what you were. You're going to end up as dust. You're like, man, that's not the good news I wanted to hear today. Trust me, it will get better than this. But this is the first time this word is used. Till you return or are restored to the ground. Because that's where you came from. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And so when David writes this word, he says, the Lord restores. He brings back my soul to really what it was. Let me give you a better picture of this. When I was in middle school, my dad had a great idea. He said, I want to spend some time with my two sons. Dad, you're looking for a great idea? This is a great idea. He said, I want to spend some time with my two sons, maybe teach them a few things in the process, but we're just going to hang out. I was 13, my brother's 10, and my dad says, we're going to get a car, and we're going to work on it together. I'm like, great idea. I hope it's cool. And this is what my dad brings home. He brings that. And I'm like, Dad, that is far from cool. All right? I mean, I know I'm going to be driving in about two or three years here, but that is not what I want to be driving around. That will not help me with the girls, all right? That's a jalopy. My dad said, no, 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 no. What we are going to do is we are going to restore this thing. We're going to take it back to its original condition. I'm like, I don't know if that's possible. He goes, in 1956, this thing was a beauty. We're looking at now in the 80s, it's miserable. It's beat up. But I see what it could be. We are going to restore this. So we would work and work. And I'd bring home a paycheck and he'd go, good. Let's spend it on this. And we're going to restore and restore and restore. After six years, it looked like that. And I'm like, Dad, okay, my dad, yeah, he knew what he was talking about. And I drove that thing around for a few years. And I was like, nah, I wasn't looking for girls at that point. I mean, I had a beautiful wife. I didn't need that anymore. But I was driving around saying, man, this is a cool car, all right? My dad had a good idea. But we spent time restoring this thing. I don't have it anymore. That's a long story. It's a good story. I'll tell you later if you want to know. But anyway, we spent some time restoring this. And when David writes that God himself, the Lord, what he does is he restores my inner person. He takes something that was good, that has been beat up and ugly, and he restores my soul. God is the one who does this. No one else, God does it. We're the ones who mess it up. We're the ones that make it look ugly. But God is the one who restores my soul. We sin. Others sin against us. We sin some more. And the Lord is the one who restores our soul, the inner man. I wrote this in your notes. You can see this there. He made me, my soul. But here's the problem. I've messed it up and I still do. And this is the case of every single one of us in here. The God made me. He made this soul to be in relationship with him. This was his desire. We have messed it up. We've sinned. People have sinned against us. We now have a hurt and broken soul. And the Lord is the one who restores it. Now, ultimately, this happens through faith in Jesus Christ. And we say, Jesus, I need your forgiveness. And he says, okay, in my eyes, you're completely restored. But now, as people who are completely restored in relationship with God, we still have junk, we still have problems, we still have sins, and we know from our own self, we say, uh, my inner person's a little messed up still. 
But God is the one who restores this. The good shepherd is the restorer. You can write this passage down. In John chapter 10, Jesus talks about this, and he says, actually, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. I know for generations you've heard that the Lord is my shepherd, and he restores my soul. Jesus said specifically, I'm going to be the one to restore your soul. I'm going to die. I'm going to pay for you so that you can be restored with God, but then I'm going to be the one who works with you every single day for the rest of your life to help you bring restoration to your hurt and broken soul. Let me share with you a couple ways we've messed up our souls and how we have got to this position. First one I'd like you to write down is this, is that I get out of alignment. I get out of alignment. I get out of alignment with God. I get out of alignment with my Creator. And this causes a soul problem. All right, so some of you have gone to the chiropractor. You say, I've gone because my back got out of alignment. Something happened there. Sometimes you take your car in because your car keeps uh, tugging to one side, and you have to get that realigned. You and I, our souls that were created by God, we get out of alignment with God. We've hit too many curbs or something that we have made our lives out of alignment with God. And then we get grouchy and irritable, and negative, and we start hiding. It's like, I don't want anybody to see, or we will show up and we become great posers, all right? This is us. This is part of getting out of alignment. You say, you know what? I I just haven't spent time with God. I've kind of gone my own way, and for some reason, my inner person's just grouchy and negative, and I'm complaining, and I just want to hide from people. And when I go to church and they ask how I am, I'm like, I'm fine. That's what my mask says. But really, we're out of alignment. We're out of alignment. Can you relate to this? You go, ah, ah. Even today, I didn't feel like being here, so I thought I'd just put on a face and, you know, just tell everybody I'm fine. But inside, I I know there's, I'm out of alignment with God might be because you gave in to a temptation. might be that you chose sin. might have been that you were sinned against. And all of a sudden, you're just worn down by life, and now you're feeling unloved and worn down and fearful and bitter and impatient, depressed, empty, needy. And then you and I, we try different things to restore our soul. We get out of alignment, and then you and I, we try to restore this on our own. I had a backache a while back, and someone says, go to the chiropractor. And I'm like, I'll just fix it myself, all right? After time, I'm feeling good enough. You and I do this with God, where we sit there and go, I know my soul's out of alignment with God. I know I should do something to get that right, but mm, I'll just try to fix it myself. I'll picture it this way. I'm looking forward to this next week. This next week's going to be just a fantastic week. I've looked at weather.com. The sun is going to be out, right? Now, don't look right now. Just trust me on this one. But it's going to be a great week. The sun's going to be out. And I start thinking when the sun's going to be out, I get my vitamin D. That's good for my psyche, right? That's good for my health, all of that. And I, I start thinking if I do certain things, I will feel better. It's like if 
I'm not right with God, all of a sudden I could enjoy these things. And there are things to enjoy. For me personally, just my backyard can be an oasis. It's nothing great, but I've made a little pond now. And just hearing the water, it's like, oh, and seeing some of those plants grow. Oh, this is good for me. And then I got these raspberry bushes, and they're growing up. And I can't wait to eat the, the fruit off of that. And I talk to them, you know, and this is good for me. And then I sit by my little bonfire that's falling apart. But I love it, you know, and I'm having a little fire in the backyard. And I'm, oh, this is good. And then my son calls me, and he says, Dad, you want to go to a Mariner game? And I'm like, oh man, life couldn't be better, right? All along, my soul could be really hurting. These are not the things that restore my soul. They're fun. They're enjoyable. They're creations that God has given. But if you and I aren't careful, all of a sudden we start looking for different things to restore our soul. Like, well, I'm just going to go on more vacations or I'm going to spend more money. Now, trust me, I'm going to enjoy the raspberries and the pond and the, and the uh, fire pit. And if I get to go to a Mariner game, I'm going to enjoy all those things. But those things do not restore my soul. David, as he writes this, says what? He, the Lord God, he's the one who restores my soul. He restores it to its original healthy condition. Oh, enjoy those things he's given you. But if your soul's out of alignment, you actually need God to bring it back into alignment. And when you and I look for other things to bring that restoration, anytime we look to the creation and not the creator, you won't find restoration. Let me just say that again. Anytime you look for the creation and not the creator himself for the restoration of your soul, you won't find restoration. You're going, but man, it was so good. I spent all that time in my backyard. Your soul was still out of alignment until the creator gets involved. Let me show you a passage in 1 John chapter 1. I want you to write it down if you would. It says this, that if we say we have no sin, if we say we have no uh, alignment problems with God, we actually deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess or acknowledge our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Every single one of us sin. Every single one of us get out of a little bit of alignment, sometimes a lot of alignment. And if we claim like, nah, 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 I'm fine, you're deceiving yourself. But if we are ones who say, you know what, God, I constantly get out of alignment. I get self-centered. I need to be aligned to you. I start going my own way. I need to get in line with you. It says that God's faithful. And he says, you know what? Your sins are forgiven. Let me realign you again. Even today, this is a time where he'd say, let me realign you. Just acknowledge that you get out of alignment. So, we get out of alignment, we all do, and God alone restores our soul. Let me show you a second way we get out of alignment, and it's this. I get displaced from my home with God. I get displaced from my home with God. Our soul is actually at home with, where it finds home is with God. We start thinking that home is a bunch of other places. We sang a song this morning that said this, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. That's just who we are. 
we're prone to do that. We're prone to do that. This is just easy for us to do this. Even uh, the ones that you'd say, oh man, they seem really holy and righteous. Listen, every single one of us prone to wander, prone to leave the God that we love. And then before long, our soul's not at home where it should be with the Lord. And then we start looking for new homes. Again, I, I could look in my backyard and say, my home is going to be the fire pit. My home is going to be the waterfall. My home is going to be raising up these uh, uh, raspberry bushes. My home is going to be hanging out with the mariners. And all of a sudden, we start looking for home or we start looking for love in all the wrong places. I want to break into a country music song right about now. I won't. But I get displaced with my home with God. We all do. And God alone restores my soul to home. Let's look at Psalm 23 one more time. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, David writes. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. I look at this and I just ask this question, how? How does he do this? How does he put me back together? Uh, I think we need to address this today a little bit so that we can figure that out for this week and for this summer. How does the Lord put my soul back together? How does he restore me? Now here's David. He was the king of Israel, but earlier in his life he was a shepherd. One of his jobs is that he took care of the sheep. He knew how to restore a sheep. God inspires him to write this, and he says, okay, I've been a shepherd, and I see sheep, but you know what? The Lord is my shepherd, and he does this for me, and he restores my soul, just like I would take care of sheep. And there are a couple answers I want to look at how God restores my soul. A couple answers in this psalm. Start at verse 2, if you would. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Makes me lie down in green pastures. Let's write these words down, if you would, that he provides so that I can rest. He provides so that I can rest. Now, when we read that psalm, God, David's not saying that God says, rest, you do this. God, God's not doing this. God's not saying, okay, you need to take a nap right now. But what he's doing is he's providing so that we can rest. And David, as a shepherd, knew this. He says, I could go out there to the sheep all day long and say, get some rest, get some rest. But unless I provide certain things for the sheep, they won't rest. Write down these few thoughts, if you would, because sheep, like us, need a few things in order to rest. And the good shepherd provides these for us. First of all, sheep don't rest when they're fearful. I don't think you and I rest very well when we're fearful either. You're fearful about your finances, hard to rest, isn't it? You're fearful about the diagnosis or that next doctor visit, it's hard to rest, isn't it? And the good shepherd's not saying, get some rest. He's saying, I'm going to provide for you so that you can rest. One of the most common, if not the greatest and most prolific command in the Bible is simply this, do not fear. Do not be afraid. Fear not. Why is that command given over and over and over and over and over? 
because us as sheep were fearful, fearful of so many things. I, I could walk down and ask any one of you, what are you fearful about right now? And most of you say, oh, this. And yet the command of God is don't fear, don't be afraid, fear not. It's usually followed with something like, for I am with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. I actually bring you good news of great joy, so don't fear, don't fear. And when sheep are fearful, they can't rest. So one of the things the good shepherd does is he says, I'm just going to tell you not to fear, and I'm going to provide my presence. I'm going to provide my power. I look at this, and it says, he restores my soul. How? Well, he's taken care of me. He makes me lie down. How does he make me lie down? He's providing for me so that I can rest. Not only do sheep not rest when they're fearful, but sheep do not rest when there's relational tension. When sheep are out there and they, uh, I think there's a wolf over there or a dog that might eat me or that big sheep right there, he's trying to bully me. Sheep have a hard time resting. You can go, sheep, rest, rest. And he's like, are you kidding me? I can't. Look what's around me. I think it's the same with you and me. When there's no peace, you're like, oh man, I, I can't rest. This is why in Philippians chapter 4, you write this down if you would. Philippians chapter 4, it says that we are not to worry, but that we are to pray. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. The good shepherd says, I want to provide rest for you. So if you would pray to me, I'm going to pour out my peace on you. you. You really can't figure out how that works, but I'll pour it out on you. You and I have a hard time resting when there's relational strain. Sheep also don't rest, rest when they're agitated by pests. All right, I mean, they got bugs in their wool. They just have a hard time sit down and rest. David probably said that. Sheep, why don't you sit down and rest? And this sheep's just like, man, I got these bugs in my face. And the shepherd's got to get in there and say, let me get the bugs out. Let me pour the oil on them. Let me clean you of this. This is what the good shepherd does. He says, I know you got a lot of pests in your life, a lot of things that just pick at you. But if you'd come to me and not run from me, I'm going to supernaturally remove some of those pests so that you can just, <sighs> I can rest. Lastly, sheep don't rest when they're hungry. Snickers says that too, right? You're not you when you're hungry. All right, sheep aren't themselves when they're hungry. David says to a sheep, sheep, rest. He's like, I can't. My gut's not full. I'm just going to look for food. I'm going to go around. I'm going to freak out until I find food. The good shepherd says, okay, I'm going to provide for you. You need provision too, and God is wanting to provide it for you. He says, I want to give you rest for your souls. I want to restore you. And so I'm making you to lie down. I'm providing for you. And when you and I start going, okay, wait a second, God. I think you'd provide for me right now. You actually want me to be at rest even while I work. Rest while I play. Some of you are going to go on vacation and you're going to say, that wasn't very restful. Because you're fearful and worried and agitated and things like this. Your inner person is not restored. And the good shepherd says, oh, if you'd come to me, I, I'm actually going to help you rest. 
and he makes me lie down in green pastures. Look at verse 2. It says this also, that he leads me beside still waters. The idea is that sheep and all animals need water. You and I need water. Our bodies are made up mostly of water. When we don't drink, we get dehydrated. It's not good for our skin. It's not good for our brain. It's not good for our organs. And we take it for granted that, one, we need water, and that, two, then, that we need clean water. We just take it for granted. These guys came up here today, and they just opened up a bottle, and they're like, I'm assuming this is clean. And we just, we live in a a part of the world where we just assume, yeah, that's clean. I drink it. The good shepherd, David's writing this and saying, the Lord, he leads me by still waters. He leads me by good water sources. He does this. In case you don't think that clean water is really valuable and that you really don't need it, go with us to Mexico one year. We will tell you and show you that you don't drink that. Go to Sierra Leone with us. They don't have what we have. One word came to mind as I was writing that, Montezuma. All right. And frankly, this is why we got involved with West Africa. It's like, man, this is just not right. People are dying from lack of clean water. But as David writes this psalm, he says, The Lord is my shepherd, and he leads me beside still waters. He leads me to clean and satisfying water sources. If you want to write it down this way, we could write it this, that he leads me, and he satisfies me. And David's focusing on these aspects of God, that he leads me, and he satisfies me. He's doing the leading. He's saying, let me show you where the water is. Let me show you that it's good water. Let me show you that it's healthy for you. And this is a sign of God's provision that he leads me and satisfies me. You see, God's restoration of our soul, it involves his leadership and his care to make sure you're satisfied. Here's what you and I like to do. We're like, okay, I feel like I need something. I'm going to go over here. Oh, there's water. And we start drinking out of mud puddles. And he's like, oh, man, that's actually going to kill you, whatever those mud puddles might be. You're saying, but, oh, I think this is going to satisfy me. And God says, no, 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 let me lead you to actually good water sources. Would you follow my leading, or are you going to be a dumb sheep and just go and, oh, that looks good. And you and I, we all do this, that we say, you know what, I'm not going to follow you, Lord. I kind of want to go my own way. I think I know what satisfies me. It's like, well, actually, that's muddy water, and it's filled with parasites, and you're going to be sick and diarrhea, and you follow my leading, and I will satisfy you. Let me show you a passage in Jeremiah chapter 2. Write this down, if you would. Jeremiah 2, it says this. Jeremiah chapter 2. It says, my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and made their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold no water. Let's just consider this for a minute. This is what God is saying about his people. This is what he's saying about us. My people have committed two evils. One, they've forsaken me. They haven't followed my leadership. I'm the good shepherd. I'm trying to lead them into green pastures. I'm trying to lead them to still waters. But they've forsaken me and say, nah, 
We're going to do it my way, God. God says, that's an evil. He says, secondly, then they say, you know what? We're going to just make our own water containers. We know how to do this. We'll take care of ourselves. We know what brings satisfaction to us. And he goes, actually, it's a broken cistern. It can't even hold water. This is what we do, isn't it? And if you and I want the restoration of our soul, we go to the good shepherd who says, let me lead you. Let me show you what truly satisfies. Okay, enjoy your raspberries, your pond, and your fire pit in your yard. You can enjoy those, but look above even the creation and look at the creator. Let me restore your soul. I would hope that God would not say of us, oh, these people at Willamette Community Church, they've committed two evils. They've forsaken me. I mean, they show up on Sunday morning. It's really nice, and they serve here and there, and they give some offerings, and they help with the gym renovation. But really, when it comes down to it, they've forsaken me. They've said, ah, we don't need you, God. We're good. And instead of following his leading to what satisfies, they're like, you know what? I think I know what satisfies me. I'm, I'm really good at running my own life. We do this in our own lives. We trust ourselves for the satisfaction of our own lives. And God says, I want to lead you as the perfect shepherd. You good with that or not? Let me lead you. Let me satisfy you. So what we're going to do this summer is we're just going to assess as we have here. We're going to assess our inner person. Do we just walk off like a sheep and say, nah, or are we going to say, bye, I need this shepherd? Do sheep go bad? They're going to say, I need this shepherd. I need his leadership in my life. He's the one that satisfies. He is the one that restores my soul. So I want to close with one question today, one question. It's a question that we would continue to ask over this summer. I hope that it would be a a question that you continually ask God today and even this week. Simply this, will I allow the good shepherd to restore my soul? Will I allow him to? If you're a Christian here today, you said, you know what, I've trusted in the good shepherd. Fantastic. But will you allow him to lead your life every moment of every day? When you get out of alignment, will you acknowledge that and say, I need you to lead me. I need you to restore me. Or will we start getting proud as upper middle class Americans and say, you know what, I think I got enough. I don't really need God. Will I allow the good shepherd to restore my soul? I hope that's a question that you continue to ask God. God, will I allow you to lead me? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. I shall be content. He's going to make it that way. He's going to make me lie down in green pastures. He's going to provide so that I can lay down and rest. He's going to lead me by streams of water. He's going to satisfy me and lead. He restores my soul alone. The question is, will I allow the good shepherd to restore my soul? I hope that we'd all reflect on that and say, yeah, that's, that's what I need. That's what I need. 
I'm going to do this as we close our time here together today. I'm going to ask that all the men come forward. Whether you're visiting here today, whether you say, ah, I don't know if I'm part of this church, I'm just going to ask all the guys to come up here because I, I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. If you just flood this stage with me here today, every man, please come up here. Every man, come on up. Just want to say a few words to you this morning on Father's Day. And that question that we are asking, I, I want to ask every one of you, will you allow the Good Shepherd to restore your soul? We got room for a few more guys up here. Come on, guys. This is awesome. I want to say this to you as a fellow man, as your brother. I want you to know that God, you have a soul that God wants to restore. Okay? Some of you have trusted Christ as your Savior, and he looks at you as forgiven and holy and righteous, and that's beautiful, but you still have a broken soul that he wants to restore more and more and more, that he wants to mature you. And some of you are saying, eh, I don't know about Jesus yet. And I'm just going to tell you this, that he is the one that restores this. He is the one that you're going to have to understand. He is the one that bling, brings perfect restoration. And then as I look at you, I realize you have families. We have a church family that need men with restored souls, restoring souls. Your wife, your kids, your grandkids, your coworkers, your neighbors need men like you and me that says, God is the one who's going to restore my soul. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to pose and fake. I need God to restore my soul. Can I get an amen from you? The greatest command found in the Old Testament was to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your soul, your inner person. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest command? He says it is to love, to commit yourself to God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul, your inner man. And so brothers, I'm going to ask that you pursue with me this summer, that you would pursue God with me, that you would pursue the good shepherd with me that you would say, oh, I need his restoration in my life. I, I, I can't do it myself. I need him. I'm just going to ask that you do this because these are brothers in one sense. I'm going to ask that you put one hand on one of your brothers nearby here because I'm going to pray for you because this is just a picture of the fact that we need each other. And we need to, to remind each other that God is the one that's going to restore us. And it's good to lock arms with brothers. So would you pray with me, please? And ladies, would you pray for these men with me, please? Heavenly Father, I thank you for these men, these brothers, these fathers, these grandfathers. I thank you for them. And what I know about them and I know about me is that we have a brokenness. We try to hide it from our families and from our church family. But God, 
we just want to acknowledge that you are the one that restores. And I pray for the courage of each man on this stage here today, the courage, God, that they would say, I need the good shepherd to restore me. I'm not going to just try to fix this on my own because I can't. I'm not going to fake and hide and pose as if I've got it together because I don't. God, would you help these men, my brothers here today, to acknowledge that, yes, there's a brokenness and that it will only be restored by you. Would you help them to be the husbands they were called to be? Would you help them to be the fathers they are called to be? Would you help them to be the grandfathers and the brothers and the men in this community that they have been called to be? And would you restore our souls to the deepest part because you're the good shepherd and we are the sheep of your pasture in need of your healing touch? So I thank you for these men. I thank you for the potential that this stage represents. God, in the families, in the community, God, work mightily in these men. Humble them, teach them, help them to acknowledge you in all their ways. We pray your greatest blessing on them. In the powerful name of Jesus, we all pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Fellas, you can make your way back to your seats.